Welcome to the Small Business Buzz. I'm your host, attorney and entrepreneur Kimberly Hanlon. Today, I'm talking about the top 10 legal tips for entrepreneurs. And we have business coach Les Hill here from Less Is More Coaching to talk about effectiveness and communication, and he'll give us some of his best tips. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Okay, let's get to it. Sometimes I have clients who are starting a new business and right out of the gate, they want to make sure that they have all their ducks in a row and that everything is on as solid a foundation as possible. And on the other hand, sometimes I have people who come in and they've been operating for a while and either something has happened or they're worried about something come down, coming down the pike because of some situation that has arisen. And so they come and talk to me about that situation. More often than not, when the people who come before anything happens to make sure they get everything in order and secure, legal-wise, they don't end up coming back in a crisis. And going forward, we usually get to work together on positive projects, like agreements for new business or hiring new people. And that's a lot of fun, or at least I find it to be a lot of fun. When people come to me because something has happened and they're worried about what's coming down the pike and they haven't done what they needed to do to have their legal basis covered, more often than not, if they had done a little preventive legal work, they wouldn't have gotten into the trouble they're in. And they end up spending way more on legal work. And really, it's not nearly as much fun for either of us. Actually, it's usually not fun at all. So I've put together the top 10 legal tips for entrepreneurs. If you're just starting up, these are some things that you can make sure you get ahead on. And if you've been up and running for a while, you can make sure you've got these areas covered already. Okay, the first one is choosing a business structure that is going to provide you some protection. Usually people start a business, they're thinking, yes, to a certain extent about themselves and like the money they can make, but usually they're also thinking about providing for their family. And you want to make sure that your family stays secure. And one of the ways to do that is to limit the liability that your personal assets are exposed to. A good way to do that is through your business structure, either with a limited liability company or a corporation. If you have a sole proprietorship or a general partnership, all of your personal assets are exposed. And if you were sued by a creditor or if somebody had an accident on your business's property or who knows what else. I mean, sometimes people are just so quick to sue anybody that they think has a deep pocket. And people have this impression that business owners have deep pockets. It's often not true, but sometimes it is. But you're on the hook for defending it either way. And if a judgment does come against you, if your business isn't organized 
under one of these entities that provides personal liability protection, then your personal assets can be fair game. And nobody wants that. Well, I suppose the people who are showing you want that, but, but we don't want that. Plus, having these business structures often have real tax advantages over being a sole proprietorship or a general partnership. Okay, next is reducing your risk by insuring your business. And there's a lot of ways that you can protect your business through insurance. If you haven't listened to it already, you should go and listen to last week's Small Business Buzz when I talked to Dan Rivkin about disability and long-term care and life insurance for business owners and all the ways that that you can use that to your best advantage. So there's that. And of course, there's general business liability insurance. But there's also all sorts of other kinds of insurance that you may or may not need based on what it is that you're doing. Nowadays, people are are taking out insurance policies for data breach protection. There's all sorts of insurance that you can get that would be just so specific for your industry. So make sure that you've done that analysis for what's the right insurance that you need and in the right amount. Okay, the next one. You might have heard that expression, like this contract isn't worth the paper it's written on. And sometimes that's true if it's not a carefully drafted contract. But for the most part, contracts are worth way, way, way more than not having one. One of the things that I say often is that business is about relationships. And contracts are designed to protect those relationships. Relationships with your vendors, relationships with your employees, relationships with your customers. If you were to lose even one of those three, your business is jeopardized. Okay, the next one. If there's more than one owner of your business, having a plan around a buy-sell agreement is so important. And it's not just about if somebody were to die, although that is one of the provisions that we put into a buy-sell agreement. What if one of the business owners becomes disabled? Or what if one wants to retire before the other? Or what if one wants to just voluntarily leave the company? Or worse yet, what if what if one wants to force the other one to leave the company? The time to figure out those sort of rules and provisions is when everybody's getting along. The last thing you want to do is wait until there's some controversy or conflict or something tragic has happened to figure all that out. Okay, the next one is get to know employment law in your area. I mean, you don't have to be an expert at employment law, but every place has a little bit different nuance about employee privacy and what you need to do about protecting employee data, what does and doesn't qualify as an exempt employee. And if you're going to hire people as independent contractors, which is usually a great solution for small businesses, you got to really make sure that you know where the line is 
of what qualifies as an independent contractor and when that person is considered an employee. Otherwise, it's easy to get crosswise with the IRS and state regulatory agencies, which you just really don't want to find yourself in that mess. Okay, next is keep up your business's documentation. I know how it is you're running your business day to day. There's a lot of stuff to do. And so sometimes you're making decisions, sometimes even big decisions, and you're not necessarily documenting them because you're a small business, right? It's not like you have this big board meeting and and somebody calls the meeting to order and somebody makes a motion and somebody seconds it and everybody talks about it and then you vote. No, it's like you and maybe your business partner and and you say, hey, I think we need to expand into this territory and this is what it's going to cost us or I think we need to buy this new piece of equipment and you talk about it, you decide and you move on. But in reality, if there were some controversy around your company and how you were managing it and operating it and whether your personal liability shield from your corporation or your LLC should stay in place, how you kept your corporate records will become an important matter. And when you keep those records up, it shows your intent to have your company be a separate and distinct entity from yourself. One of the ways to pierce a corporate veil and get somebody's personal assets is to show that they haven't been keeping what we call those corporate niceties. I know it seems like it's overkill for a small business, and I know it can be a hassle. But nonetheless, it's important. Okay, the next one. Keep intellectual property at top of mind. Both when you're developing your company's name and brand, and your logos, and your products or services, and what you say on your website, and and things like that. You just, you always need to do a check to make sure that you're not violating somebody else's intellectual property rights, because the damages on that are really high, and they're set by law. And reality is that there are some unscrupulous actors out there, copyright trolls and patent trolls, who are looking for businesses to sue. And they more or less extort money from these businesses because the cost of patent or trademark or copyright litigation is so very, very, very high. So don't find yourself in that trap. Just always do the intellectual property search and make sure that you have what you're using in the clear. And the other side of that is, whatever it is that you're developing, make sure you're putting in protection that you need in place. The last thing you want to do is to take the time and the energy and the resources to develop something and then not put the protection in place. And then when somebody else takes it and wants to use it or does use it and they're profiting off of it, then you have to sit on the sideline and there's nothing you can do about it because you didn't go about protecting it the right way. Okay, the next one. Have a really good employment agreement and have an employee handbook and actually make policies. The last thing you want to do is to have people 
who are working for you in your business and they know your business inside and out. They know all your, your clients and your customers and they know how you do business. They know your secret sauce and all that. And then they walk out the door and they can use all that knowledge against you. Now, I'm not saying that every business needs to have super strict non-compete agreements. But non-solicitation agreements, those are a really good idea. If you're not sure what the difference is, a non-compete says you can't go outside of my company and work for a competitor or start up your own competing business within a certain geographical region for a certain amount of time, whereas a non-solicitation agreement says you can't poach our clients. Courts are much more likely to enforce non-solicitation agreements than non-compete agreements unless, you know, your business really has a good reason to need the non-compete protection and the terms are reasonable. But if you don't have a non-solicitation agreement in place, really there's nothing that stops your employees from taking all your clients and customers with them. Okay, the next one is having legal disclaimers on your website, the terms of use and the privacy policy. And what that terms of use and privacy policy needs to be is different depending on what kind of web page you have. I mean, if you have just a web page that people go and they find your address and your phone number, and that's about it, you have a different sort of level of need as to somebody who has a website where people, for instance, log on and leave information. Or if you have a website where people can make comments or make postings. If you're a professional, you're going to want some sort of legal disclaimer that whatever it is that you have on your website isn't professional advice. And then, of course, the privacy policy. What happens with the data that is collected on the back end of your website? I mean, a lot of us use Google Analytics, and great, but there is you need to put that in the, the privacy policy, especially regarding the use of cookies and tracking. And I mean, some people now are doing retargeting where once you visit a website, ads for that website follow you all over the internet. Sometimes I think it's creepy and weird, but you know, if done in moderation, it seems okay. Not too much like stalking. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to have a website that does that, you have to have that in your privacy policy. Okay. And the last one is to actually get professional advice where you need it. And it should be no surprise that a person who's a business attorney who says, you know, you should really turn to your business attorney. But it's not just your business attorney. It's your CPA. It's your financial planner. It's having a business coach for for those aspects of your business. And go seek the advice before you think you need it. Because there's a whole world that you don't know that you don't know. And the last thing you want is to be in the situation like some of my clients are, where they're not preventive and proactive about making sure that their legal bases are covered. And then something happens and I end up saying, hey, well, if I had known you could have had XYZ in place and then you would have been protected. Or if we had had this conversation, I could have advised you on this, that, and the other. And you wouldn't be in this situation. I hate having to say that to people. And really, they hate having to hear it. So 
Don't be that person. Okay. Well, clearly, this is by no means a comprehensive list of, of everything you could possibly want to cover legally about your business, but I'd say those are the top 10. If you'd like to know more about this topic, be sure to check out today's blog post. The link to the blog post is on my show notes, or you can find it on my website at khanlonlaw.com. That's K-H-A-N-L-O-N-L-A-W dot com. And while you're at it, sign up for my bi-weekly business newsletter. In each newsletter, I have articles that will help you in running your business, and sometimes I have bonus materials for you to download for free, like small business legal guides, or recordings of webinars, or sometimes even model legal forms. Okay, up next is my interview with Les Hill. life of an entrepreneur is a never-ending struggle to sharpen that competitive edge that will place your business ahead of the competition. Fortunately, the shape of the average workplace has changed. Finding that fine balance struck between cost efficiency and excellence is now easier than ever. We need help when we need help, but we don't need to be burdened with full-time staff. That's where Astute Business Concierge can help you. Astute Business Concierge. More than just smart, astute. Visit us on the web at astutebusinessconcierge.com to see how we could help you. Okay, and we're here today with Les Hill. He is an awesome executive coach that I've known for a long time. Executive coach and leadership trainer. And thank you for being here today, Les. Thanks, Kimberly. It's great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about what I do and where I've been and my relationship with you. So thanks. Yeah. Well, we met, gosh, it's got to be a handful of years now, mm-hmm. back in a leadership training program. You were you were the leader of that training program. Mm-hmm. And wow, extraordinary results that arose out of that. Um, would you tell people a little bit about your background? I, of course, started in sales many, many years ago. So I have the fun track record of saying that I did door-to-door sales and sold dry-cleaning coupons door-to-door. And at the same time, I was also in the restaurant business and basically had two jobs. I've had two jobs since I was maybe 14, 15 years old. Up until, well, even now, I have one very big job with many hats. And I got into sales, got into sales management, got into wine. I've been drinking wine since I was five years old. And I wanted to figure out a way where I could put my passions in with my work. And I became a sommelier and started training people about wine. And I figured out I had a passion for training people, loved making a difference. I had a unique approach. I did server training and sold wine and liquor for 23 years. During that, I got to spend a lot of time teaching, working with people, training people. And then I started with a personal training and development company, went through their training program and led their program for six years, which is where you and I met. And in that program, I learned a lot about how to deliver 
from the front of the room that then led me to become a keynote speaker. And I've now created my own little business after my non-compete ended. And I coach, I train around communication. And I put together wine dinners where the opportunity is to pair wine and food. And then for businesses, throw in communication training. Work with key communication points and put them in, in between the courses along with tasting the wine and the food. And I have a blast. It's like, wow, I get to have three passions at one time. That's like the intersection of fabulous and awesome and magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very lucky. Yes. Yes. Well, and out of the work that you've done, you know, the leadership work, I'm you are the embodiment of that work in designing your life to work for you and being effective. It makes a difference. One of the things that I've become key, I know I've been talking a lot myself in this, telling you a little bit about me, is I've learned how to listen. And through asking a series of questions different for each person based on what they're looking for, whether it be personal, business, romance, any of the above, I've learned how to hear where there are things that may be missing that would take them to the next level in their life. And their life may be working great, which is really fun. I love getting people that, when you ask them, if you bumped into them on the street, how are you? Excellent. I love my life. Things are going great. Everything's awesome. To take that person and then create the next level, incredible. Along with taking somebody that's in a big breakdown, that's come through a big break in their either business or personal relationship, and then creating a whole new window of opportunity where literally the past becomes a mist that just vanishes with the sunshine. Doesn't that make you want to be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Hard to describe, right? Mm -hmm. But just such a, like a great feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you talked about the person who, elevating the person who's already sort of at what they think is a peak. Successful. Yeah. Successful, right. Doing well. I think that there's a lot of people who go through life and... If you ask them, how are they? They say, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. I mean, most people have fine, good lives and um, may or may not even see that there's even room to elevate or an opportunity to elevate. I think that's a good place to come from to say, here, you're in a good space and let's look at, at how we can make what's next even better. Mm. It really is. I've been... You know, I've taken on the game of training and developing myself every day. What am I, what do I see today? Where's a breakdown? Where's an opportunity for a breakthrough? And I so enjoy it. It's become like my daily game. I don't, I don't need soap operas. I don't need, you know, high adventure movies. I don't need the books or all of that or any of that drama. I look at my own life and I go, okay, here, here's my palette, like my palette to work with as an artist. And I'm constantly at work. And in that, I really get to feel like I'm on the court with whoever I'm working with. You know, I have several clients that I've, I mean, I have one client who owns a business, a million dollar business. She's been a client of mine for over 12 years. And 
we're constantly in communication. We're constantly looking, creating, finding new windows and avenues to work together. It's been one of the most profitable relationships for me personally. In the last three years, I actually am on a retainer, a yearly retainer. It takes away all the stress. She picks up the phone, calls me. I work with her every day. I love it. Really enjoy it. And you are as invested in her succeeding as she is, which is really, it's very cool to have somebody behind you like that. Yeah. I think that many, many years ago, you would hear of the grandfather or an uncle or an aunt that was kind of a person in the village who would be the person to go to and ask and throw things at and have them come back with sage advice. In the last 15 years, there really has developed a new business arena of having a business coach. We have all these pro athletes that have coaches. We have all these super-powered executives that have boards that oversee them. But for the person that's just a regular Joe that has the means and is looking to take that step, coaching, executive coaching, has become an amazing business. And I absolutely love it. Well, you have coached me through what for me have been difficult communications. And I don't know if you recall. I obviously can't give the specifics, but I I did. I want to say maybe six or seven months ago, I had a really difficult communication to deliver to somebody, and I was sort of avoiding it. And I remember you said, hey, you just need to call this person up and you need to come clean and say, hey, I've been avoiding delivering this communication to you because it's bad news. And and this is this is why I did what I did and and so such and so forth. And I got to tell you, the end result of that coaching was that the conversation went infinitely better than I would have ever imagined that it could. And um, and actually what it opened up and made available was even better and more business than than what we had before. Great. And I applaud you for one of the things that you look for as a coach in the person you're coaching also is somebody that is willing to be coached, is willing to put themselves out there, is willing to step outside of the box. There's one thing that I pride myself on, and I can actually look in the mirror and say, this is something I'm very good at. It's looking and thinking outside of the box. Now, some of the ideas get a little crazy and wild, and then there are those that people go, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. I never looked at that. I never saw the implications or from that view. So really, you could you could almost say I'm another set of eyes. And I do a 360-degree holographic view of who you are, where you are, and what you're looking for and what you're interested in. And and you being the perfect client, being very willing to be open, to open yourself up, to share the stuff that a lot of people don't want to share. And not really make a big deal out of opening up. It's completely confidential. It's not therapy. It's none of that. However, some of the things are touchy subjects. Some of the things that people 
that I've coached, I've coached over about 5,000 people since 2003. And the things people share behind a closed door or on the telephone are absolutely amazing when they're willing to set themselves, put their quote-unquote butt on the line. And I've really enjoyed it. You know, when I look at the program that I led for six years, they actually do an exercise where they look at how many people you've impacted inside of the program. I led 11 programs and roughly speaking impacted over 750 million people in six years. And I think about that and I go, wow, I could die peacefully knowing that I've made a difference in the world. And now I take that position into every coaching session. I don't care whether you're a dishwasher that's looking to step into management or step into a new role or step out of something. Somebody says, look, you should go and get coached by less. Or if you're a CEO of a major million-dollar corporation, I have the wherewithal to ask the questions that will make the difference, and I love it. And I don't stereotype from that dishwasher to the CEO. I ask the questions that are needed for each person to make the difference that's there. I have noticed that that aspect of effectiveness requires seeing something in a different way or approaching something in a different way. Because generally, if you're not being effective or not being as effective as you would like, Doing more of what you've already done isn't going to get you there. It's actually the definition of insanity in some people's worlds. It's <laughs> 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 trying the same thing over and over and over and over and expecting a different result. And many people do that. Many people go to work thinking, someday I'll be happy. Doing the same thing over and over and over. And I'm not saying that we want to look at I look at a coachee and say, you're in the wrong job. That's not me either. I'm there to look and see what is it that you want. What is it that you haven't said out loud that you're looking for, that you really want, that you've been coveting? That's the game. That's the game I'm after. It's that little nugget, that kernel, that seed that can grow into something fantastic. And in some cases... It's people getting excited about the job they're currently in, and they see something that has stopped them for years, and one or two conversations turns the job upside down, and it suddenly becomes everything they've ever dreamed of. So I know that every, every person is different, and every situation is different, and so you can't paint with a very broad brush. But if I ask you to sort of Take the cumulative sum of all the 5,000 people that you've coached and spit out just a few things to say, okay, for people who are wanting to be more effective in the lives that they're living right now, what advice do you have for them? The best way I can put it, I think, is to tell a story. And that's a story of an oyster and a pearl. And many times you find the truth behind somebody when you tell them that in the backyard there's a million oysters. 
And then one of the oysters is a million dollar pearl. And you hand them a knife and you say, go out there and shuck oysters. Look for the pearl. And this is what people do with their life and they go out there. And the difference I think for me that is the big nugget about this story is there are some people that will go out there and they'll just out of a natural instinct that they were born with, they will start opening oysters and plow their way through until they find the pearl. They don't stop, they just have that tenacity. They're born with it. Then there are those people that open five or six, they look at the seventh or eighth one and go, please be in here, please be in here. They'll even pat and rub the oyster, hoping that somehow it'll be the genie in the bottle. And then they open it. Some will even not even open it all the way and close it and go, really, I want it to be in that oyster. And they'll spend so much time looking at that. And then when they open it and it's not there, they say, oh, it's me. I did it wrong. I didn't do it right. I didn't pick the right oyster. I didn't do this and that. And the moral of the story for me is if we look, all of us could be stopped in our tracks. If we turn around and look at the past, and look at everything we've done, and make it right or wrong, frustrated, and really critiquing every step we've made, and judging and assessing it, rather than, as a coach, one of the things I do is to like, disappear all of that, to like, really take a look at it and say, really, is it necessary? What is necessary? What do you want to look at? Turn around see the future, and move, and start opening oysters again. So helping people get themselves out of their own way. Exactly. Well, and business owners, let's face it. I mean, business can be tough. They need to keep shucking. They do. And it's a very interesting. I have now, in the last couple of years, worked with a lot of small business owners. And the thing that I see the most that that is the best fertilizer, best growing material, is somebody that is willing to be vulnerable and say, you know, I'm going to make mistakes. Let's start making them. <laughs> well, whether you, say, whether you say you're going to make them and be okay with them, you're going to make them. You might as well be okay with them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's take a quick break. Would you like to be at the top of your field with everyone acknowledging your credibility and authority? Becoming a published book author is the most effective way to get others to recognize you as the master in your field that you already are. But writing a book can be hard, long, painful work. It doesn't have to be so hard or long or painful. We're Propitious Publishing, and we help business owners just like you write, edit, publish, and distribute their own book on the subject of their expertise without the hassle of self-publishing, even if they don't have the time or skill to write a book on their own. Published authors get called on for media appearances, public speaking engagements, and are often featured as experts in newspaper and magazine articles. Published authors can garner more for their services and are sought out in the marketplace. If this sounds interesting to you, go to propitiouspublishing.com to learn more. That's P-R-O-P-I-T-I-O-U-S-Publishing.com 
and we'll get you started on your way to becoming an authority in your field. Okay, and we're back. Yeah, it's really interesting. There's And there's another parable that says, if you continue to peel the layers of an onion to find the center as the onion grows, it will be forever a job to peel it. And the opportunity, I think, is to just start peeling. That's not it, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. And what is 100% without a doubt going to show up, it may not be today, may not be tomorrow, but it will, is what it is you're looking for. It's the determination. It's not getting stopped by the humanity life showing up on your front door. A lot of people refer to it as Murphy's Law. <laughs> just another way to have fun with it and let it go by it's going to happen in today's world it's predictable it's just a matter of when that is true your onion analogy it makes me think of that idea it's not about the destination it's about the experience of getting there and part of being in business it's sometimes difficult to remember, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be savoring the experience as we go through all of it. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, we're going to savor these ups. It's hard to remember to savor the downs, but that's part of the experience of it, too. It really is. Without no's, there's never going to be a yes. And the learning and training and development that comes from the no's is amazing. It's what has you build depth, breadth, character, the ability to be honored by a yes, to know that the yes was earned, that the yes was something that you worked for. You deserve it. Well, out of the training that that I did with you on being able to accept the no with peace is that now I can accept any communication with peace. So when I go into any situation, people can communicate whatever they have to communicate. I don't have to dread it in any way, and I can be okay with whatever arises, if that's, if that's conflict or joy or um, sadness or, I mean, the work that I do involves a wide range of <laughs> of human emotion. Yeah, the full spectrum. <laughs> the full spectrum. And so for me to be at ease with however people are and whatever's going on and whatever communications they have to deliver, I mean, that has been so impactful in my ability to be effective, one, and just be really related to people. Yeah, I think there's also one piece to that, is that once you step aside and know that the communication that's coming from them is not personal to you, their past, when they were a kid or when they were a teenager or when they were in a bad relationship, or 
whatever it is, you didn't do that. Once you really get that whoever's in front of you, when they react, they're not reacting to you, that they're actually reacting to a memory of something that this particular situation reminds them of. And they're triggered by it. And they get triggered by it, like a trap. And if you can just be the willow, the willow tree, the one that steps by, bends with it, or you step aside as it rushes past you, and then comes right back, I call that my rubber band theory, (laughs) (laughs) and you can be with it, the phenomenal thing is there's a sense of peace that comes over the person you're talking with. It's like, wow, normally people run scared at this moment or get angry or they start judging me and they change when they hear these changes in the person they're dealing with because they take it personally. When you're able to just be with any of that communication and not add any meaning to it or get upset, the reality is you can really be somebody that makes a difference for that person for the first time in their life, perhaps. Oh, yeah. If I could tell you the all the amazing things that have opened up for people out of of my being able to be in that space of the willow and then they get they get to express what they have to express and and really things shift and sometimes shift quickly and in positive directions. I think the other really fun thing to share is I know I'm a human being, and I'm going to make mistakes. And it's invariable, especially over an extended period of time when you're coaching somebody, that I'll make a mistake. The opportunity for me is I don't look at it and jump up and down and be happy about it. I look at it as a perfect training opportunity. I actually then can use it as an example. And one of my most recent people that I'm coaching, I was late for an appointment, and I was in communication. However, it still shook them up because they hate people that are late. And they real what they got from that was the next week, it was like suddenly something happened because they were late to a client's. And they came in with a big smile on their face, and I said, what happened this week? said I was late to a client and I'm like oh my gosh because this person is so like has to be on time and not if not one or two minutes early not too early but like right on time so did they get grace oh it was probably the most graceful thing that ever happened to them and the customer appreciated it it was and I got grace in that moment it, there was thanks for being late she got to see me as a, the human example. That's so great. I've heard you do a number of public speaking gigs on communication. And every time you do, people are blown away by it. Do you mind giving our, our people in the podcast world just a few of your golden nuggets <laughs> in the communication realm? Well, um, let me think about it. You know, there are many things that I can share about language. And um, 
So, um, are you like gonna share any? <laughs> Perhaps we just said several of them. I call them the connectors. People are so afraid of silence, and for me, it's one of the most powerful tools as a speaker that I could possibly have, and as an instructor, as a teacher, and as a coach. It allows me to collect my thoughts. I don't need to ramble between the sentences. When I'm present with the person, listening, recreating them, creating with them, sharing with them, maybe actually telling them a key point, those connectors aren't necessary. I'm present. I'm in the moment, in the conversation. In the front of the room, I'm connected to the people in the room. One of the ways to do that is to find one of the people if there's a boardroom and look at the one person, communicate directly to them. You will be communicating to the entire room and pausing, letting what you said register is so profound. It has people think. The other thing. That it has done for me is have people that were sort of with me, sort of not, in my conversation. They're kind of half in and half out. That's their standard operating procedure: being with a normal person, communicating with all of the. Well, you know, today we're going to talk about this, and oh yeah, do you remember this? And but now we'll talk about that next time, and、um, let's see what else are we going to talk about today. Some people get so bored with that method of delivery; it's noise. They get distracted. They start to look at their phones, write some other notes on paper, look at their computers. When I provide silence, it's amazing. Those people look up, and I think in the beginning they're wondering, "Did something happen? Is he okay?" Then all of a sudden, they realize what I'm saying has value. What I'm out to create has them thinking. What I'm delivering makes a difference with every word I create. Now, am I perfect at that? Not even close. I just know now when I make the mistakes <laughs> and do the best I can. I suppose it's not just when you are in front of the room; it's also when you're having a one-to-one -one conversation. Very much so. That, that that you can have an impact on that conversation by bringing that skill. That actually brings me into a skill that we probably can't demonstrate on the radio, on this podcast, and that's body language. When you're one-on-one -on -one with somebody, your body speaks over eighty percent. Therefore, silence works. You're still communicating even when the vocal cords are going. Even on podcasts. Since I've been doing them now for about a year, 
what I've noticed is even in the silence, the speed, the timber, the volume, the presence behind the voice, the quiet, are ways to almost put that nonverbal communication through the airwaves. It has really been fun over the last year testing that and playing with it back and forth. And I've been doing it for years with my coaching clients over the telephone. Yeah, I suppose you could design your delivery that way instead of just having whatever you say come out however it comes out. Yes. In fact, there are clients that I coach. I will actually walk around my office as if I were in front of a room leading a seminar. And I will get loud. I'll get quiet. I'll get very poignant. Sometimes even slowing down the words of a sentence. Creating no misunderstanding. And allowing the people I'm coaching to think as I go along. And not feel like I'm throwing an encyclopedia of information at them because we only have one hour to talk. Yeah, you're giving people time to process. And then ask questions based on that processing. That's something that all people, all human beings, can benefit from, and especially business owners who want to be effective. With their employees, with their customers, with their significant others, with their families. Even with their coffee vendor that they go see in in the morning makes a big difference. Well, is there anything else that you'd like us to cover today? I've really taken a liking to the delivery mechanism of meal, wine, and communication. What I mean by that is in business, there are many of us go to these conferences. We have work conferences. They bring in keynote speakers that they pay big dollars for. And they come in and they sit down theater style or however it is. I have really found value in my food, wine, and keynote speaking dinners. What I've done is work with the chef to create an extraordinary meal, pair up beautiful wine, and then pause between a five-course meal and slip in five, anywhere from five to 15-minute bits of information about communication, some skill, sales, personal interaction. And the way that I deliver it is it in such a way that if you had your significant other there, even though they weren't in your business, they would come away going, wow, that was the most fun I've had coming to one of your business dinners. And the reason being, everybody walks away with something. And it's so much fun. They walk away with a wine and food tipping. They walk away 
having the experience of visiting a vineyard of a wine. They even get an interaction with the chef. In most places, I will bribe the chef to come out and say and give a, give a nugget or two because that's a value to everybody. And it's fun. It's interactive. And then when it comes to the communication piece, what I found is businesses have found great value in being able to say, yeah, these are the key things that I want to focus on in communication in my company this quarter or this year. This is perfect. I go over them with the person in charge, the vice president, president, somebody from human resources, and we create the structure that gets powerfully delivered in a way that's never been delivered before. And I absolutely love it. Personally, as I said in the very beginning, it's a way for me to have a trifecta. Well, how can people get in touch with you if they, if they want to experience your trifecta or, or even if they want to get in touch with you about a one-on-one conversation? I'm online under Les Hill at lessismorecoaching.com, as simple as it sounds. Only one S in the Les, though. Or you can look up Les Hill dot info, I-N-F-O. And for those of you that happen to have a pen handy, you can even take a moment and jot down my phone number, which is 612-867-0104. And once again, that's 612-867-0104. Or send me a text message and I'll reach out. Yeah, and I'll put your, your links on our show notes as well. Thank you for for giving that information for people. Not not everybody goes to show notes. So thank you so much for being here, Les. And you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kimberly. You too. Thank you for this opportunity. It's been great. I really appreciate it. What a rich conversation. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. Take care. next week for the small business buzz when I talk about preparing your business for an eventual profitable sale and what you need to know now so that your business will have marketable value when the time comes. We'll also visit with business coach and strategist Julie Keys. She will share some of her valuable wisdom and insight gleaned from being a business owner and working with many successful entrepreneurs. You can find links and other useful information on our show notes at thesmallbusinessbuzz.com and be sure to follow us on iTunes or Stitcher. If you're liking what you're hearing, please give us a good rating and maybe even leave a review. Of course, a lawyer would have a disclaimer and here is mine. Any information provided on the show is for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal advice. The show theme music is Pioneers by Jason Shaw, released under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.